Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Mask with Jeremy and Sass, Clinical Edition. I'm Sass Elisha. And I'm Jeremy Heiner. And in these episodes, what we like to do is talk about clinical anesthesia topics. We sometimes go over case management of particular cases, pharmacology, critical events, and what what we're trying to do is bring the most up-to-date topics and present them in a very concise episode because we know your time is important. Today, we're going to talk about a pharmacological substance that is now legal in some states, uh, but definitely has some medical uses. We're going to talk about cannabis. We know your time's important, and we really appreciate you being with us. We hope you learned something. So take some deep breaths, pre-oxygenate yourself, because it's go time. We know CRNAs are busy with limited time. That's why we want to bring you clinical updates and reviews that are pertinent to your anesthesia practice. This is Beyond the Mask with Jeremy and Sass, Clinical Edition. Together, Jeremy and Sass have a combined 40 years of teaching anesthesia students and CRNAs. They speak nationally and at state associations and also continue to practice anesthesia in the operating room. Jeremy and Sass author and edit several anesthesia textbooks, including Nurse Anesthesia, the core anesthesia textbook used in the CRNA profession. Okay, so Sass, let's, let's start this out with, at least from my perspective, it seems like cannabis is more acceptable these days as compared to the past. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So like old people like me and getting old people like you, you know, (laughs) when we always ask, you know, we always ask about, do you use any drugs that are not prescribed to you? You know, in the past when people would admit to using cannabis, you know, it was kind of, it was a, it was pretty rare. Right. And then also, you know, it wasn't, there was a significant stigma associated with it. And, you know, you kind of, you know, thought certain things. However, these days, as you had described, cannabis is becoming legal, not only for medicinal use, but in a significant number of states, it's legal for recreational use. So it's the way it is. Times are changing and we have to adapt in order to make sure that we provide an anesthetic where we take the best care of the patient and we know about what this is, what it's doing to the body, and how our anesthetic medications interact with people using cannabis. Yeah, I, I definitely, it, it's an important part of the preoperative anesthesia evaluation. And, and I can say that, yeah, I'm seeing um, people mark this down on their pre-op evals and, and, and talking about it when when I do ask them. You know, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you do any other? Uh, do you take any other medications that aren't prescribed to you? So, yeah, seeing it a lot more. Yeah, and you know, in terms of cannabis and the pharmacologic use of it, 
and how it works. It's super complicated. It's really, really interesting. But what Jeremy and I really wanted to focus on today in the shorter podcast is how is it, what do you need to know and what are the anesthetic implications? So that's what we're going to focus on. So really quickly, a little bit about the pharmacokinetics related to cannabis. So cannabis has a really long half-life. It is a highly lipid soluble drugs. In addition, the more that you use, whether it's smoking or whether it's uh, ingesting like in an edible, because it's so lipid soluble, the half-life is long. So for people who are chronic users and are overweight, the approximate half-life is 60 hours. For those who are occasional users, the approximate half-life is 30 hours. And they say that complete elimination, whether you're a chronic user or an occasional user, is uh, complete within about 30 days. So it takes some time. So does that mean if the the individual does a urine test, uh, that that drug will be visible in the urine for <laughs> 30 days? And there's a possibility. So certainly with someone using more, uh, it could take up to 30 days with someone taking less, less than asking 30 days. Asking for a friend. Asking for a I friend. Know, I know why you were asking. And, you know, sometimes our information can be used not only for our patients and our anesthetic management, but maybe there's also some personal information that people do want to know about. There are active metabolites. And when we talk about metabolism, the majority of the way that cannabis is broken down is via cytochrome P450, which is the enzyme system, the hepatic enzyme system that is used by our bodies to break down so many of our drugs, including our anesthetic drugs and other substances within our body. Um, we're going to talk in a little bit about people who are acutely intoxicated as compared to people who are not acutely intoxicated, but are chronic users related to the cytochrome P450 system. Um, there's also extrahepatic metabolism. The majority of the elimination is via, uh, via fecal, and a smaller amount is excreted via the uh, renal system. Okay, so we're going to go we're going to review a journal article that was published in the AANA journal back in 2020. And it was by Title and Bozimowski. And the, the article is, is called A Review of the Pharmacology and Anesthetic Implications of Cannabis. So there's some pearls here. We're going to go over those. Sass, fire away. Yeah. So let's talk about the respiratory system first. We'll break this down into systems. So like smoking cigarettes, people who smoke cannabis as compared to ingesting it, there's the possibility of increased airway hyperactivity, increased secretions, and with chronic use related to smoking, there's the potential for people to develop COPD over time. So what are your anesthetic considerations here? Just as with a smoker and the potential for hyperreactive airway, making sure that you get them deep really before you instrument their airway, uh, preparing to treat a bronchospasm, in terms of if a bronchospasm occurs, having albuterol available, having epinephrine if it's a really bad bronchospasm and you can't ventilate, and then also 
thinking about the potential for maintenance. Does the patient need to be intubated or can you use an LMA effectively and not stimulate uh, those reflexes in the trachea? Next, let's talk about some of the cardiovascular effects. So because cannabis works on different endogenous cannabinoid receptors, specifically the CB1 receptor, there is the possibility of hypotension developing, and this is because of vasodilation. So throw in some anesthetic medications that also cause vasodilation, and you might see some hypotension. There is some patients, there, there are some patients who may have a compensatory tachycardia due to this vasodilation. It doesn't happen in everyone, so keep an eye out for it. Look at the patient's preoperative cardiovascular status. What's their blood pressure? What's their underlying heart rate? And then this last point that was in the article was kind of interesting. There may be a subpopulation of individuals who are at risk for dysrhythmias, for MI or cardiomyopathies because of chronic cannabis use. So in terms of anesthetic implications, let's assess these patients' pre-op cardiac function and before we induce them, have vasopressors ready to go and potentially give them a, a fluid bolus prior to induction. All right, next, let's move on to the gastrointestinal system. Well, these patients may be at risk for aspiration if they are acutely intoxicated. And that makes sense. Anybody who has a, a depressant on board, they come in and they need emergency surgery. Well, that would be an RSI because they are, are at risk of aspiration. If somebody comes in for an elective procedure and they're acutely intoxicated uh, because of cannabis, well, guess what? That's a cancelectomy. That is a cancelectomy procedure and potentially one of our favorites. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. All right. Uh, in terms of the anesthetic implications, so let's say a patient does come in, they're a trauma patient, they've been um, using uh, some form of cannabis. Let's, uh, let's consider a preoperative GI cocktail. So giving them an H2 blocker, uh, giving them some Reglan, and potentially having them suck down some Bicitra. And then, of course, already talked about the RSI with an endotracheal tube. Now, I'm going to round it out with the hepatic system and the neurologic system. So we've already talked about the liver in terms of the breakdown of cannabis products. It is broken down in the liver by the cytochrome P450 enzyme system. As any, with any medication that is metabolized in the liver, you're going to get elevated enzymes in order to compensate to break down whatever chemical. And in this case, it's cannabis. Therefore, in terms of the drug response, it can be variable, variable related to acutely intoxicated or chronically intoxicated. And this applies to clinical. It also is a classic test question and board question for you anesthesia students out there. So if someone is acutely intoxicated, 
Are they going to need more anesthesia or are they going to need less anesthesia? And the answer is most probably less anesthesia because they're acutely intoxicated and the cannabis is actually depressing the central nervous system. Less anesthesia may be more likely. However, in someone who is a chronic user, how, but not acutely intoxicated because of the C450 enzyme induction, the amount of drug that they may need may be significantly increased, significantly more than patients who are not using cannabis products. And, and I can say, yeah, that, may, that makes a lot of sense. The patients that I've taken care of for elective procedures who have marked down or told me that they do use cannabis, it usually takes a little more anesthesia to induce them and to maintain them under anesthesia. Yeah. Um, last, our neurologic system. So if someone is acutely intoxicated, I just really kind of talked about this. And let's say you had to do the surgery, that it wasn't appropriate, you know, it wasn't elective, but it had to be done, such as a trauma, and they're acutely intoxicated with cannabis. Um, the cannabis product is going to potentiate all of your anesthetic medications. So please realize that in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about your dosage prior to giving. In addition, there is some crossover with using cannabis products and the potential for emergence delirium. Uh, and there's question marks. It's not an absolute cause and effect, but it could be emergence delirium could be increased. Now, one last issue related to the neurologic system is let's talk about pain management because this is really controversial. Because the use of cannabis widespread is relatively new, there's a lack of really, really good scientific studies and lots of them to suggest, you know, does cannabis help with pain or does it not? You've probably heard and read articles related to people having acute pain that cannabis does help, uh, helps people get off of narcotics, kind of bridge uh, the gap to decrease their pain. However, there are also articles that show that that have been done in anesthesia where people are given cannabis products pre-op and then they look at the degree of post-operative pain. And actually in terms of pain, some studies say it does work as an adjunct to helping with pain relief. There are other studies that actually say that it has a, it actually makes pain seem worse or people rate their pain even higher with cannabis products. So, you know, the, the scientific studies and literature right now is kind of out in terms of chronic pain use and its use in anesthesia. Okay, fantastic. So that does it for our brief review on cannabis and some of the anesthetic implications. So there's that's the drive-through snack size episode on uh, this particular pharmacological subject. Everyone, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend with us. We do appreciate that and we hope that you're getting something out of this. If you think it's valuable, please consider sharing it with your anesthesia colleagues and even considering leaving us a positive review. It really helps the show grow. Okay, CRNA Nation, that's it for this episode. Keep ventilating and we'll catch you next time.
Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Jeremy and Sass expressly disclaim any liability in connection with the use of this presentation or its contents by any third party.